Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash aware.
towards me, Jesus. Your loving kindness, loving kindness toward me. Your tender mercy. Focus on Love 99.5 FM. Prepare your mind and soul for today's message. Daily Focus on Love 99.5 FM. Start your day right with a word from God. Hi, welcome to Relevant Life. A program brought to you by Mid Country Chapel to encourage, motivate, and bring this generation closer to God. Relevant Life is proudly sponsored by Age In Pharmacy Swami Macro, ZTH Company Limited, Asafo and Amakum, Morton's Pharmacy, TUC Junction. Stay tuned as our head pastor, Reverend David Kwanza, brings you today's message. Jeremiah chapter 32 verse 27. Nothing is too difficult for God. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Let's say all flesh. And tell yourself that includes me. I can't hear you say that. That includes me. Let me hear you shout all flesh. Let me hear you say all flesh. So you are part of that. Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? Verse number 17 of the same chapter 32. I am the God of all flesh. Ah, Lord God. Behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm and nothing and nothing and there is nothing too hard for you. So we're looking at how to deal with the seeming impossibilities in life. Now we've gone beyond the my little trials, my challenges, my few problems. We talk about them, my few, I'm, I'm facing some few problems in life. Now I'm going through that uh, challenging times of life. We say that all the time. 
I'm going through the stressful period of my life. We've gone past that. We've gone way beyond that. We've come to the place where things are too hard. Where we look at what is prevailing and it's like we have no answer. We have nothing. We've come to our wit's end. We, we've actually screeched to a halt. There's nothing you can do. Because the obstacle, the problem looks, seems so impossible. And that's what we're dealing with. The most difficult times in life. Those moments when you call friends, nobody picks. Family members are giving excuses and you don't have a job. Those moments when you've been on and on in marriage and you're looking forward to having your children and they are not there. Those moments you have invested and seven times you invested and you lost all your investment. Those moments when the doctors tell you that this disease, ah, we, we don't seem to find a cure for you. Those moments when you know that a family cares, some kind of ancestral link is plaguing almost everybody in the family and nobody is advancing in life. It looks impossible, but God said that nothing is too hard for me. So then we come to that point, who defines what is hard? Is it us? Is it the world we live in or the God that we serve? Throughout the Bible, we've seen examples of what God can do by his power. Old Testament, New Testament. The Bible records events of people who came to that same point. And then they thought that there's no way they're going to get out of their situations. But somehow God came through. This year in the name of Jesus, the light of God is shining through your life. God is coming through. In the name of Jesus, the power of God is coming through. Nothing is impossible for God. Nothing, nothing, nothing is impossible. So we should never come to that point in our lives where we believe that we ask for this one. I don't think I can overcome it. Some of us, we go through this to the point that we accept that as for this one, it's not going to happen. And so we forget about it. May the Lord go back to the shelf in your life. Pick all those stuff that you place there and have forgotten about them. And work a wonder through them in the name of Jesus. Nothing is impossible to God. So we saw this in the book of Genesis, Abraham's life. At the old age of about 99 years, the Bible says that it has ceased to be with Sarah, the manner of a woman where she can give birth So. She had gone through menopause probably three times. There was no way a child was coming. Abraham's own body was dead. According to Paul in Romans chapter 4. His own body was dead. The man could not produce. But God came and then they had a child. This year the Lord has appeared unto you. Nothing is too hard for God. Can you close your eyes for a moment? And say that to yourself. Nothing is too difficult for my God. The records are there, but just so that somebody would think that, well, that's about the Old Testament when God used to do powerful things. That's about the Old Testament when, when the Spirit of God was moving. Oh, that's about the early church when the Holy Ghost was so visible. You could see him as, as tongues of fire on the head of people. God knowing that a generation is coming that will be filled with so much doubt. Made this prophet Jeremiah prophesy that tell the world that I'm the God of all flesh. If you are a human being, I can come into your situation also and turn it around. That hard condition is turned around this morning. In the name of Jesus. It's changing in the name of Jesus. The hand of the Lord come upon you, church. Come upon your family. And turn that difficulty around. I am the God of all flesh. If only you are a human being, I can intervene. And I can get it done. And the spirit of God is getting it done right now. As a pastor, I've known that the words that I declare determines a whole lot of stuff. So I declare your doors open this morning. In the name of Jesus, I declare your sickness healed. In the name of Jesus, 
I declare the financing come for that idea, for that dream, for that vision in the name of Jesus. I declare childbirth right now in the name of Jesus. That womb has received the seed and that baby is born. I declare the visas given in the name of Jesus. I declare total deliverance from all sorts of oppression in the name of Jesus. I declare promotions now in your life in the name of Jesus. I declare divine supply in continuous supply. The Lord give you the desires of your heart. Nothing is too difficult for God. When we follow him, we must come to that given. We must come to that conclusion. We must come to that point of knowing that the reason why I follow God is that nothing is too difficult for him. And therefore, I will not relent in faith. I shall not be broken. I will keep on pursuing. I keep on following him. Because I know with him all things are possible. A year by this time, according to the time of life, what you desired has been accomplished. In the name of Jesus. Nothing is too difficult for God. So one by one, God did powerful stuff. He stood by the shores of the Red Sea and God opened it up. Wow. He just literally opened it up and then they walked through it. They cried that they were hungry. There is no food. The food is stale. They've eaten the same thing for a long time. He opened up the heavens and meat fell from the skies. Everything they wanted, God did it. Because he's that kind of God. When men get tired, the men are at their wit's end. That is when the glory of God is revealed. If only they can open him. If only they can trust in him. So the question is, how do you bring yourself to that point in life where things that seem impossible can become possible? How do I get to that place? Because if we trace the history of all these people from Abraham to Zechariah, for him it has been 60 years into his marriage and there was no child. 60 years of being a priest, married to a woman, whose father was also a priest. So they know God. These are church worms. All their life, they have been in church. But then they face that problem. And they're looking forward to having a child. 60 years on, the baby had not come. But then the Lord appeared and it happened. How do you bring yourself to that point? Where the things you think are impossible can turn around and become possible. The first one we learned was that you have to intensely engage in the promises of God. God has spoken about it. Believe it, claim it for yourself. And that is very critical. I can do that for you. Nobody is going to claim it for you. You have to claim it yourself. But it's an in intense engagement. Intense engagement. Paul said that the promises of God in him are yea and they are amen. The promises of God, they are yea and amen. It means that if God promised, he's going to get it done. So you don't look at the circumstances around you and determine your own faith and come to a conclusion that it's not going to work. If God said it, he's going to do it. All the promises. The only thing God does not do are the things he has not promised. If he has not promised, he's not going to get it done. So stop worrying God. But if you read it in the Bible, he's going to get it done. And you must have an intense engagement with the promise. Romans chapter 4 verse 18. Abraham became the father of many nations according to that which was promised. Not according to what was going on in Palestine at that time. Not according to what the economy read or what the doctor said. He gave birth according to the promise. So if you found that in the Bible, it's mine. I'm not going to throw this away. I'm going to hold on to this. God has said it in the name of Jesus. And it is mine. Nothing is going to change my mind. I hold on to that promise. Intense engagement. In John, he said that the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. Which therefore means that each time... You are speaking God's promise over your life. You are releasing a presence. It's a spirit. If I deal with somebody 
And the person thinks that they know a lot. Or the person thinks that uh, they are so livid, angry, so they're going to say anything they want to say. If I deal with somebody and the person has some kind of ideas, some kind of approach, so the person is approaching me or approaching you from that angle, and I'm speaking the word of God in the midst of that confrontation, I'm speaking life. He's speaking nothing. You see, so I'm speaking spirit. I'm creating a presence. The words of God are spirit. So when I wake up in the morning and I'm speaking the word of God over my life, I'm creating a presence. I'm bringing God into the situation. I'm letting my life be filled with the fragrance of his presence. It's not any other book. It's not any other word. These are not concoctions of philosophies of a professor. This is something that God is. In the beginning, he made the heavens and the earth. The Bible also said that in the beginning was the word of God. The word was with him and the word is God. So when I'm speaking God's word at the office, over my situation, when I go through stuff, I'm saying that God, your word said nothing is too difficult for you. And that this situation I'm seeing is going to turn around. I'm creating an atmosphere. I'm speaking something into my world. And the life of that word will be manifested in my life. Intense engagement with the promise. Hold on to it. So just before somebody tells you that this is Africa, it's black Africa, and it's difficult to make it, you can speak and declare that wherever I am, I shall be a blessing. Wherever I am. If you keep quiet, you are denying yourself of this kingdom power. In the book of Daniel, he said that I take the authority from the book of Nazar. I took the authority from the Medes and the child Chaldeans. I took the authority from the hands of Alexander the Great. And I'm going to, I took the authority from the Romans, from the Roman Empire. And I'm going to put it in my kingdom. And you know what God said? He said that the authority shall be in the mouth of the saints. So let me see your Christianity by your words. The authority, that dominion shall remain with them. It will remain with the Christians. I will no longer give it unto any man. I want to tell you something. There is no entity or human being born by woman that will ever rise in this world, in this world that God created, that shall be greater and more powerful than the church. That's what God said. It's with the saints. So when we come together and we are declaring things, we don't care. Let anybody come. Let the Antichrist even come. They can't quench the fire of the church. Because God said that that authority is going to remain with the saints forever and forever. Forever. So engage in that word. The second point we learn is that you have to engage in the power of hope. The power of hope. The power of hope. The power of hope. Romans 4, 18. Who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations. Against hope he believed in hope. The Bible says that whom contrary, another translation that whom contrary to hope, in hope believe. So when you get to that point and you begin to think that this thing is not going to work, stop worrying about what you wanted and believe in the power of hope. That hope itself, if I have hope, it's going to happen. If I give up hope, then I despair. That's what Abraham did. Many of us will be, I want to join my father in the United States. I want, I want to join my mom in Germany. And you, you try this, you've done that, you've done it seven times, eight times. It's been 12 years, so let me just forget about it. Yes, you can temporarily forget about that, but believe in hope. 
I'm not going to throw away hope. I'm still going to hold on to hope because one of these days, the answer is going to come. It was so contrary. Why? Because it's not working. It is like resistant, it's like resistant gravity. It, it doesn't work. So he moved from what he wanted into believing in the power of hope itself. He believed in hope. So it's not working. It has not happened. The answer has not come. But I, I won't throw hope away. Where there is hope, faith has found a refuge. You see, in many lives, when we can't com completely give up, faith is gone. Faith operates on the basis of hope. If somebody has hope, the next level will be faith that is going to happen. So if you throw away hope, then nothing is going to work. But if you believe that wherever my feet shall stand, I'm going to make it, then you have, your faith is ignited for you to get things done. Listen carefully. Hope in itself has no capacity to produce anything, but it is the grounds upon which the seeds of faith are sown. So without hope, you are finished. Abraham decided that I'm going to believe in hope. This thing is powerful. This thing works. So the child has not come, but that does not mean that hope is dead. Hope is still alive. Hebrews 11 verse number 1. For faith is the conviction of things hoped for. So I have a deep conviction. That's faith. But I have to first of all hope. I have to hope that one day I'm going to become the CEO of my own company. I have to hope that one day we're going to break this monotony of men alone owning things and women following them. I'm going to be one of those outstanding women. I have this hope. I have an idea. And I know that God is going to provide. And I'm going to become an illustrious woman of this nation. I'm going to become one of Ghana's best and finest in the name of Jesus. We're going to rise up. I'm going to be one. I'm going to be like Ngozi of Nigeria. I'm going to be like that woman at IMF. I'm going to become a powerful woman. I know that one day God is going to use me powerfully to touch the whole world. And things are rough. But I'm not going to give up hope. Because wherever there is hope, faith has a refuge. Faith can operate there. So you don't give up hope in life just because some things are not, you know, working well or things are not happening. They are happening. While we are hoping, they are happening. While we are hoping, they are happening. Point number three. Let's move on. Glory to God. Yambrahaskaya. Lebroskaya. The third point about making impossible things becoming possible, as God has said, is that you must engage your sixth sense of faith. In the years that I've been a pastor, I've realized that you can start being a Christian, be born again with one person the same day. And then 20 years on, 15 years on, 30 years on, some of them are not even in Christ anymore. Some people fell apart, but others make straight, great strides by their faith. So faith is what makes the difference. John said that it is the victory that overcomes this world. Faith is the victory that overcomes this world. The victory that overcomes this world. So what is he talking about? Overcoming this world of what? The world war? No. Faith is the victory that overcomes this world. What is God talking about? That when I have faith, I'll be able to conquer the whole world. Is that what he's saying? No. He was saying that all the challenges and all the problems in life, faith can deal with them. That no matter where the problem is, no matter where the issue is on planet Earth, if it is in this world and there is faith, it can be conquered. Faith is the victory that overcometh the world. Isaiah chapter 61 talks about all the predicaments of man. As long as you are a human being born into this world, oh, there are these kind of challenges that are around us. As long as you are uh, a human being,
being, finite human being, there are problems that saddles us in this journey. So he took time to elaborate some of them and he said that the spirit of God is upon me to deal with every one of them. Faith is the victory that overcomes every problem in human race and you engage it. In the verse number 17 of Romans, now it's beautiful that Genesis, we read that narrative about Abraham and how Isaac was born, but it took thousands of years later for Paul to teach us what actually happened. What happened there? Because if you read the Genesis account, it sounds like a story with a beautiful conclusion. But Romans, Paul teaches us the process by which it happened. So it's not only about, it's, I, I remember uh, recently I saw one of these things on WhatsApp. And uh, a, a guy is looking at an alcoholic bottle with a certain face. And, and, and then they have written on that. When the alcohol hits the right places, you begin to read the ingredients. Okay? So it, it's like it was a story that happened and it was powerful. But then you need to know what went into this. And because faith is a critical element in life, Paul takes time to explain it. What actually happened before the birth of Isaac? And in the verse number 17, he said, As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations before him whom he believed, even God who quickened the dead and called those things that be not as though they are. So first of all, Paul is bringing us to the understanding that, oh, it happened. Wow. A child was born by Abraham at a very old age. This is how it happened. God called things that were not as though they are. He did not call things that are as though they are not. He did not deny reality. God wasn't like that. God does not deny reality. God does not do that. If God denies reality, then there will be no problem to be dealt with. Because the problem doesn't even exist. God does not deny reality. He knows that it is real. The guy is leprous. It is real. The woman is bleeding. It is real. The guy is blind. God does not deny reality. Where Christianity tries to deny reality, nobody rises up. Nobody moves to this kind of uh, life that people can look at and say, that, wow, I think I can pattern my life after that. We should cease denying reality. If it's a problem, it's a problem. But how does God deal with it? He begins to speak of things that are not as though they are. So he's not actually worried too much about the problem. What he's doing rather is that he's speaking solutions that do not exist over the problem that is in existence. That's what God does. That's, that's your victory. You have to always, don't look at the problem. Don't focus on it too much. Engage the existence. Speak of things that be not as though they are. Speak of things that be not as though they are. Because that's how it happened. Abraham gave birth unto Isaac. But behind the curtains, that's what happened. God speaks things that be not as though they are. By our five senses, we relate to this world. But there is this power of faith. That is not part of our senses. What we taste, what we touch, what we smell, what we hear. Faith is not part of that. We relate to this world by those senses. But faith is the sense that helps us to be able to tap into the supernatural and make things happen for us. It's not part of the five senses. So here is what then happens. When you are exercising faith, my smell, sense of smell, is what I use to detect how things smell, isn't it? And then I use my eyes to see. I do not use my ears to see. So as long as my ears are concerned, what I'm seeing doesn't exist. Now I'm looking at you, but I'm looking at you by my eyes, not my ears. There's no mixture. So I'm not using my ears to look at you. So what it means is that what the eyes are seeing, the ear is completely oblivious of. When I use my hands to touch something, 
I can feel it, that this thing is there. But I'm not using my nose to touch. So what my hands are touching, and I believe by my conviction that it is in existence because this is tangible, I can touch. It's got nothing to do with my nose. I did not use my nose to touch. So here's what has happened. Though my hands knows that this thing exists, my nose doesn't believe because it did not smell it. It wasn't the sense used to touch. You must understand this very, very well in the operations of faith. I will use my tongue to taste a food and say, oh wow, delicious, sumptuous. My father used to say, succulent. So I will hear him saying that, Lizzie, the soup is succulent. You use your mouth to taste. Can I hear an amen here? What the mouth is tasting and is feeling good about, your fingers have nothing to do with that. So your fingers did not taste how the food tastes like. Your finger, your fingers are oblivious completely of the taste of the food. Here is how faith works. In the same manner, in the same logic, and all truth is parallel. When you engage faith to believe God for a miracle in your life, your eyes is oblivious of it. Your ears are oblivious of it. Your sense of touch is completely oblivious. By your faith, you can claim a capital of a certain amount of money to start the business, but your hands have not touched it. And the fact that your hands have not touched it does not mean it doesn't exist. Because, because when your ears heard, your eyes did not hear. So my eyes needs no evidence. My ears have heard it. So what it means is that each time you are believing something by faith, your senses are numb. But the problem with a lot of people is that we want our senses to assure us. And because your senses are not getting the assurance, you think it has not happened. Your senses have nothing to do with this. Because by the eyes, they don't exist. But by faith, it's mine. By my ears, it has not seen my future. But by my faith, I've seen myself on the mountain. This is how it works. Don't depend on your senses. Because what faith can do is not going to take your touch to get it. It's got nothing to do with it. So my ears are hearing something. My eyes doesn't even know it exists. So when you exercise faith, it is so contrary to what is going on around you. That is the meaning of calling things that are not as though they are. And you have to engage that power in your life in order for you to become a substantial person. In order for you to become a person of influence. In this church, we are not just breeding any kind of Christians. We're breeding leaders. We're breeding people in society who call the shot. We're breeding high flyers. You become a high flyer in life. Oh, three years, five years from today, you are occupying that top position you thought was never yours. There's going to be leaps. I mean, a guy told me, he said, a pastor, I've been promoted at my workplace. And you know what happened? They took me from, that I, have, I have someone over me, I have supervisors over me, but for some reason, they promoted me above the supervisors. That's how God does it. So never depend on your senses in the exercise of faith. To your senses, it doesn't work. But by faith, it happens. It's got nothing to do with your senses. When you are believing God, therefore, by, for healing, your fingers will not feel it. You know what your fingers will feel? Your fingers feels the paracetamol. It feels the medication. And you have taken it and it did not work. So your fingers tells you that what I have really felt did not work. Faith doesn't need that. So you begin to call things that are not as though they are. 
It doesn't mean you are living in denial. This is completely different from living in denial. I don't have a problem. No, I'm not. I, I, that is, I'm not, I'm not sick. No, it's got nothing to do with that. When you are sick, you are sick. What God wants you to do is to say, I am healed. I am healed. I am healed. I have, I have the life of Christ in me. I am filled with divine health. In the name of Jesus. According to Jeremiah, he will perfect my health. Oh, my health is perfected. Ah, Lord God. You have made the heavens and the earth. And nothing is too difficult for you. My health is perfected. And my feelings have got nothing to do with this. A lot of people will doubt God because they want to feel God by their senses. They want to trust him because their ears have heard, got, got a new got good news. So you see, when you, when you engage in, in this sense of faith, you come to church and you're already excited. The person who deals and works with God according to their senses, they come to church and their face is straight because the week didn't go well. <laughs> have you seen those people? They come to church, they sit by you, and they are cold after the service is over. The reason is because their senses are telling them things are not going on well. But when you have people with faith sitting by you, by the time you leave the service, you are so enlightened and so fired up. Because you see, it's got nothing to do with our senses. That's why God said, although the senses for giving birth are dead, that womb will still bring forth. Because it's got nothing to do with the senses. So you could look at that woman and say, that, wow, you think that it has ceased to be with her, the manner of woman? It's got nothing to do with that. I created the organs. I created everything in her. She's still going to give birth. This year, you will give birth. In the name of Jesus. That vision is being born in Jesus' name. That child is being born in the name of Jesus. That idea is born in the mighty name of Jesus. Receive his power to not only conceive, but to bring forth your vision also. In the name of Jesus. It's got nothing to do with your senses. So God doesn't care. That's why when the doctor said that it is this state, that state, that state, God said, oh, well, I'm still going to heal the person because it's got nothing to do with logic. Who created the senses? God. He created the senses, the five, so that we can relate to this world. And he created faith so that we can relate to him. Faith exceeds the senses. It's an operation level that is not dictated to by the senses of men. Faith existed. Faith existed long, long, long before time. Long, long, long before time. Even before time was made, faith existed. God in the, in the process of creation, the word of the Lord said that he was speaking things. But before you get to Genesis chapter 1 from the verse number 4 down, God had already spoken. And he had spoken by faith. Right there he said that, and the earth was without form and void. And God said, let there be light. Faith was already in operation. And then the Bible said that then God created the firmament. And then he created the seasons. Time came to meet faith. Here is what it means. Don't, don't sit down and say that may time occur. Before time came, faith was already at work. Praise be unto the name of the Lord. It's always an honor to come to you at such a time of your day to bring you such truth, to bring you such light and word of the Lord to begin your day with and to construct your day, your week and the months coming with the word of the Lord. My name is Reverend David Seth Kwansa. I'm the head pastor of Mid Country Chapel. We meet at a Macomb traffic light opposite the children's park and every Sunday our services start at 7 a.m. 
at 9.15, that is the first service, and the second service starts at 10 o'clock to 12 o'clock. We invite you to come and fellowship with us. We invite you to come and worship with us. It's a season where God is doing powerful things in spite of the challenges that our world is going through. And so we're honored to have you tuning in to our broadcast and being part of this. I invite you every Thursday morning at exactly 5.20 on Love FM to come and be part of this. The Lord bless you so much. We'll be waiting for you at church. We have meetings also on Wednesday evenings at exactly 6 o'clock, which ends at 8. The Lord bless you and have a wonderful day. We'll be with you again.